Hey there, welcome back to another episode of Teacology. I'm Brian White, CEO and co-founder of Yopon Brothers American Tea, and Yopon Brothers is the sponsor of the Teacology podcast. Today's special guest is Mackenzie Smith, aka Grilled Cheese Social. Mackenzie runs a really successful blog and is also the executive chef of the Black Dolphin Inn, which is Travago's number two rated bed and breakfast in the United States. And it's located in our hometown here of New Smyrna Beach, Florida. So Mackenzie got her start after graduate school at Columbia, where she studied uh, counseling psychology. And I guess that was dry, I didn't like it. So she left that and followed her passion of being a chef and a food writer and a food stylist and author and now a new mom. And I just think that what she does is really inspiring and makes everybody feel good. I know my wife and I aren't very good cooks, but she kind of helps us feel like we are and we make delicious food following Mackenzie's recipes. So I hope you enjoy it. And here's Mackenzie Smith from Grilled Cheese Social. Mackenzie Smith, thanks for joining us here in Teacology. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yay. So you uh, started Grilled Cheese Social, and I I might describe it the wrong way, but usually when I explain what Grilled Cheese Social is to people, it's like, well, uh, she's a chef, (laughs) and it's a blog, and she has lots of recipes, uh, and she's on Food Network all the time, and she's on all these other TV shows, and she's in all these magazines, and I guess she's a influencer and the author and the chef and <laughs> and a mom now. Uh, how would you, yeah, so can you tell us like a little bit about Grilled Cheese Social and how you got started with it? Yeah, so all of the things that you said are true. It's very hard to kind of sum it up any shorter than that. Um, but I'll, I guess I'll start from the beginning. So I went to Florida State for college and then I moved to New York uh, for grad school. And during my first year at Columbia, um, Florida girl right here got seasonal affect disorder and got super depressed. And um, I wanted to do something creative to kind of like snap me out of my funk. And someone was like, hey, you should start a blog. And I'm aging myself right now, but that was 10 years ago. And um, it was right when blogs first started. So I literally had to Google, what is a blog? (laughs) And um, I started this blog and I I did grilled cheese because I was like super broke. And I was like, all right, what can I make every week that's cheap, that's delicious, and that doesn't require a lot of recipe testing. And not that I even knew what recipe testing was back then, but um, that, that idea. And so I started a grilled cheese blog and... I called it Grilled Cheese Social, and I did that. I've, I guess I've been doing that for the last 10 years, and because of that, all the other things that you mentioned have happened. Yeah, like some of the things are you being on Food Network with Guy Fieri. And, yeah. And yep. you won that too, so it's not like, oh, you're just on there. You like go on there and you win. And Hell yeah. <laughs> what, what show is that again? That's, that's Guy's Grocery Games, right? So yeah, so I've been on Guys Grocery Games for uh, four times now, and I've won two of those times. The third time that I played, I made it to the very final round, but it was like a surprise finale, and I had to battle a Iron Chef. And so I lost there, but that's okay, because he's been competing on there for 15 years, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I've been on there three times. So, And then on the fourth episode, or the fourth um 
yeah, the fourth episode, which aired um, earlier this year, I was actually like 10 or 11 weeks pregnant when we filmed and I had a huge meat aversion. I would literally like, I could walk into the grocery store and I'd smell meat and I'd like bomb. Um, but uh, the first competition in that round was a pork competition and it's a miracle, but I was literally gagging the entire <laughs> time that we were filming and we ended up going home first, but it was a team tournament. So it wasn't all my fault. <laughs> no, and, and you can't do much about that, right? Like these things. No. Yeah. You just got to roll with it. And it was still so fun. It's always such a good time on the Food Network. And um, over those contests, I've won like close to $40,000. So uh, Guy Fieri and the Food Network have helped my life out quite a bit. Yeah, that's nice, right? Yeah. Getting paid to do what you love to do. Hell yes. Hell yes. Okay. Uh, so you also have a book out now. Uh, cookbook, yep. And I love yep. it because it's super fun. And Thanks. And one thing I've, I'm always like admiring about your recipes is that they, they're just so easy to understand. You know, it's not like it's your grandma's cookbook and there's like little <laughs> notes written. Everything is a, a scientific experiment. Um, yeah. Like my wife and I are not really good cooks and we don't cook a lot for that reason. It's like either too much of a pain in the ass or, uh, <laughs> we're, or we're super busy or we just want to grab food quickly and, um, my wife Megan has just gotten obsessed with your recipes, like especially oh. your, um, especially the feta with tomato pasta. Yeah. Stuff. Oh my oh god. My god. The viral, so yeah. Viral, viral recipe of quarantine. And so easy and uh, so delicious, you know. Yeah. And it's me. It's like wow, we actually can make food that tastes good. We just have to like do what Mackenzie says, but it's only like <laughs> three friggin' steps, you know. And I just want to tell everybody about it. I want to yell it from the rooftops thanks dude I like yeah i mean that's, that's like my whole thing like i mean even before i had a baby i i'm super fucking busy so making meals that taste delicious but are also quick and easy and like affordable is super important to me i always like like uh you know do you remember sandra lee on the food network her like semi-homemade yeah like eat, although i'm not like anywhere near that level of semi-homemade i like you know, showcasing recipes that people can make that are like, I don't like cooking, but I can make this recipe. And now I feel like I can like try something else. So for me, it's like, it doesn't have to be overly complicated. I mean, stuff is delicious when it is, but like, if it means more people are going to be cooking my stuff, if I make it a little bit more straightforward and, you know, it's worth it to me. Yeah. I could go all day and share all these extravagant recipes, but at the end of the day, it's like, Let's make stuff that's easy, quick, and delicious because ain't nobody got time anymore. <laughs> so there's a couple things I wanted to ask you. Um, yeah. And like when I, what I did with Yopon is I, I came from a background that was not at all relevant to what I'm doing now. You know, like yeah. I didn't know doodly squat about food or about business or any of the things that I now need every day in my life. I was just a total novice, if even you want to call it that. But one yeah. thing I've really come to appreciate about food is that it um, it kind of connects everyone, you know, because everybody mm -hmm. needs sustenance. And because of that, every little tiny place has some special thing about its cuisine, you know, like, uh, I don't know what you want to call yeah. it, like the, the regional character 
of food. And it, it, you would find it in like even the most peculiar, peculiar places, like a short story. One time I was on a plane, a little tiny plane, and I was going mm-hmm. from Newport News, Virginia to Charlotte. And there was a lady on the plane, an old lady. She was like maybe 80 years old. And she was drinking a bottle of Coke that had peanuts in it. Yep. So okay. Very <laughs> so I, I've seen that before, but I was, I don't know. She was, I thought maybe she would not want to talk to me because she was sitting next to me on a tiny airplane. And I never want to <laughs> talk to people on an airplane. But I asked her about it because it's one of those things where I wanted to know about what is that? Why do people do it? Uh, why is it delicious? And she told me this whole story about how uh, she, she was from Arkansas and she had uh-huh. always put Coke in her, or peanuts in her Coke and her parents did it and her grandparents did it. And it's just this crunchy, salty, sweet thing. And I was thinking that like, who's the first person that put peanuts in Coke and figured out that it tastes good. And um, so anyway, I'm, I'm rambling on with that, but what, no, I wanted, but what I wanted to get into was I feel like your, your, recipes often have like a very southern tinge to them you know like even yeah. if it's just a little flavoring like you can tell that you you know your family is from the panhandle the south the south <laughs> right and yeah so i see it pop up all the time and what are some of your favorites you know and about southern cuisine um you know i think the fear of fat or i guess the non-existing fear of fat is probably my favorite thing um, so many times people cook something and I see them using like margarine or like a shortcut like spray oil and it's like bless your heart okay yeah yeah you <laughs> bless your heart yeah right yeah you can do that but like I mean fat is a huge flavor profile like if you don't have fat in a meal it's not going to be as delicious and like whether that's you know a spoonful of butter as a finisher um, a drizzle of olive oil or, you know, cooking your eggs straight up in bacon grease, like, there are, there's so much flavor and so much more taste that comes, it's like, almost like, uh, you know, like, salt is, like, essential, is a flavor enhancer, I feel like fat is that way, too, and I think southern food does a really great job of that, as, you know, just like French food does, too, because they're, you know, their food is full of delicious butter and cheese, Mm. and I think southern food, like, even in our vegetables, you add, you know, a ham hock or bacon or anything, and it's just fatty and delicious. And, you know, it's very vegetable centric, which is something that, you know, not a lot of people really consider when talking about Southern food. Like growing up on the table, there was always like a hundred vegetables and like one meat, mm-hmm. whether it was like fried chicken or like fried, <laughs> fried fish or uh, like a meatloaf or something. There was always a plethora of vegetables because that's how they grew up, you know, just like farming and using what they had. And I, I like to stick to that mentality because that's how I grew up eating. And I mean, vegetables are, I mean, I'm not a vegetarian, but I could eat vegetables for the rest of my life and me too. not yeah. even miss meat. <laughs> yeah. Like I grew up in the South too, and I love collard greens. I mean, I just can't get enough of them. You know, it doesn't, I could eat yeah. collard greens every day. And I, especially when you put some of that, Tabasco vinegar on there. I just hot pepper vinegar. Yeah, that's like one of the best things ever in the world. It's so good. It's so good. And then I've seen you use like chow chow in your recipes. You know. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a really southern thing that people don't even realize anymore. And like, we're both from Florida, and I feel like Florida has been so invaded by uh, people who are not from the South that it kind of gets watered down. 
you know, the Southern quality of the of people, way people cook here is like not as prevalent as it once was. Um, but I would love to see more of it, you know, cause like you said, there are so much, there's so much about Southern food that people don't realize, you know, the, yeah. the vegetables and the flavor profiles and just. And even okay. from the land, you know, yes. it's, it's such a big part of, I mean, my mom grew up on a farm. My grandparents grew up on a farm. It's, and that farm is still growing. It's crazy. I'll go up to, the, to my mom's from Tallahassee background real quick. Um, and also go up there and there are fig trees and pear trees and musc- muscadines and uh, blueberries. All that stuff is still growing. And it's just like, no one really tends to it. Yeah. The homeowner now is just like a college or He's in med school. I'm sorry. But, um, you know, it's cool that you're you're the land is still just like that was when my mom grew up there it's still providing like it. special yeah yeah awesome so we both live in the same town full disclosure yes. we're, we're new smyrna people yes most people that listen to our podcast probably know know that you know about us but i think it's a special place and um it's kind of got its own flavor you know its own unique character and um oh, how yeah. did you so you started your your business, Grilled Cheese Social, when you were in yes. Brooklyn, when you were in Brooklyn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how'd you end up here? Um, okay, so I moved to Brooklyn and I was there for almost seven years. Towards the end of my time there, I was actually like really feeling over New York. I, I wanted to change I wanted to change, but I was like, I'm never coming back to Florida. Like I need a big city. That was like my whole idea, even to the point where my mom would be like, Kenzie when are you coming back? And I'd be like, mom, quit asking me. I'm never moving back. Just leave it alone. And, um, so my whole game plan was in January, 2015, I went to San Francisco, found an apartment, was going to live with my friend Owen. And, um, my lease was up, I think in like April or something in New York. So that was like the game plan. And I went back to New York and it was, of course, seasonal depression kicked in as always, Florida girl in New York, missing that vitamin D. And, um, my, I got a call from my mom and my parents had opened a bed and breakfast here in New Smyrna called the Black Dolphin Inn. It's super fancy if anyone wants to check it out. But, um, yeah, my, uh, my uncle, my mom's brother, who was my mentor, he was, always the chef also backstory my dad ran big resorts all over Florida he was always the chef at all of my dad's resorts so he was a chef here and my mom called me she's like hey broy his name was broy actual name was joe but we always called him bro hey bro is not feeling well we have a wedding next weekend can you come help him cook and i was like yeah absolutely like literally i was doing the exact same thing in new york had a catering company that i was like slowly shutting down because I was like you know moving to the other coast and so this was February and I flew down and I remember getting to the hotel and um Broey was like Gordon Ramsay but like teddy bear version but he was so hardcore like he was just an executive chef like an old school one so I got there and I saw Broey laying on the couch in the lobby like hours before this wedding was starting and I was like what is going on and it was just super weird and I didn't you know I didn't think anything of it but I was like oh he's sick like I basically me and my mom like cooked the whole wedding and 
that Monday we went to the doctor and they told us that bro had three months left to live. He had um, hep C, uh, liver cirrhosis and liver cancer, I guess they were all combined. And it was insane because he had never drank a day in his life because when he was a kid, he was born with spinal bifida and had gotten a blood transfusion and because of that got like the hep C. So he'd always knew that like he couldn't drink. And so he did everything to prevent it, but he still, you know, succumbed to it. And so it was fucking crazy. I was like, no way, three months. Are you kidding me? We need a second opinion. And I remember we like drove home and all he wanted was like some fast food, like a, like a Big Mac or something. And I was like, what? No, you can't eat like that. Like we're going to cure you like food. We're going to do it. And he laid in the back of the bed. Sorry, this is getting dark. He laid in the back bedroom of my parents' house and literally never got up. He died seven days later. And it was just like devastating because he was everything to me. Like anytime I had a question, anytime I wanted somebody to talk to you, like Broly was like my, my dude. And he died so quickly that I was just like totally in shock, just like grief boiling out of me. And I was like, well, fuck, I'm not going back to New York in February where it's like cold and depressing anyway. And I'm not moving across the country like after dealing with a loss like this. Mm-hmm. And um, so I said, the dachshunds are barking, sorry. Um, so I said I'd stay for, guys, <laughs> sorry. It's okay. I have, we love your dogs. <laughs> um. They're being so naughty. Get in this house, you and so um where was I? I'm sorry. I'm like <laughs> mom brain. Okay, so um I said I'd stay in New Smyrna for three months to help train someone new and to work in the kitchen. And then I met Jeremy. And it was funny because my mom's like, oh, you're hanging out with the surfer oh my god I'm like mom you know I only date artist weirdos like I don't date athletes and she's like well how's that working out for you which is literally like what I always say and I was like wait you're right <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so now my three months has turned into five years and I love New Smyrna more than any place I've ever lived it's a truly magical little town um, it's just tropical paradise with delicious food and cool people and you know it's an inspiring place to be and you can live on the beach for freaking less than an apartment in Brooklyn <laughs> yeah probably a lot less right I mean, yeah a lot our whole mortgage is less than my one bedroom it's getting more expensive but still you can't compare it to New York or San Francisco it's like a still yeah affordable or like any other beach town like yeah and black dolphin oh hey there's your dog that's that's yodi and you're a dachshund lover and i have a dachshund too yes the sweetest girl oh we love our dogs that's how you know you're you're a decent person you know when you love dogs oh yeah that was actually the first thing that i i admired about jeremy as i saw him talk to his dogs and i was like oh my god wait i actually like this guy (laughs) Yeah. And so it's so funny that, you know, Jeremy's a, was a pro surfer. Right? Yeah. And I went to like middle school with Jeremy. Yeah. And we're the same, we're the same age. We're in the same grade. So all the way through 
I think starting in sixth grade, we knew each other, or at least, oh, at, least yeah, at, actually, at least in passing. He introduced me to you. Yeah. It's a small town, you know, the definition yeah. of a small town. Totally. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's cool to me that you, you made the move. Um, you moved here to help your family um, set something, and you just never left it. I think it was such a good fit, you know, and the Black Dolphins gotten a lot of publicity um i think it's for two reasons right because it's awesome place like in its own right it's a beautiful uh, yeah place to stay. it's really special and i think it's what what trivago's number two bed and breakfast in, in the, the country in yeah the country so that's really awesome and then second it's because you're there you know the people want to come see mckenzie they want to come see grilled cheese social and they want to you know have that famous breakfast included with their stuff. i know people that have stayed there just because of that you know, like <laughs> that's so awesome. Yes, yeah. I mean it's definitely like a huge compliment when people say that because I'm like, oh my god, that's so that's so badass. It makes me feel really awesome because I'm not gonna lie. Like when I moved out of the city after blogging for um, five years there, I was like, okay, everyone likes me because I'm a New Yorker. I talk about New York stuff. Like I, you know, it's kind of like a Sex in the City food blog. And talk about all the inappropriate stuff. And then I met Jeremy and it's like, oh wait, I ha I'm dating someone. I have a real job and I live in a small little beach town. And I was like, I'm going to quit the blog. Like no one's going to care. And since I've moved here, it's actually gotten like 75% more popular, like mm -hmm. 6,000 page views a day on the blog. Like it's insane. I never, I actually honestly thought I was going to have to quit blogging when I moved here just because it would be irrelevant. But it's it's not <laughs> yeah the opposites happened right yeah well, I and think like with so sorry oh no go ahead i was saying with social media i think it like really makes things more accessible because you know probably 10 years ago who cares like what somebody in a little beach town in florida is doing but now it's like oh you have just as much equal access to like an audience and engagement and followers no matter where you are as long as you're like creating dope shit yeah and there's something else too. It's like, okay, the feta pasta thing that you shared, and yeah. and I, my wife makes the hibachi chicken too. So yeah, so she always tags me in that. We tag, <laughs> we tag you in things when we make it. It's like, hey, it makes your life just a little bit better, you know, to have these really good tasting recipes that you can make at home, and it's easy, and anybody can do it. You know, like I'm looking at your Instagram, and I always see people sharing stuff, like sharing on their stories, and these are all different kinds of people. You know, you see people in a little modest kitchen, like, and then somebody in a huge mansion and they're all different um, demographics, you know, and I feel like it's pretty universal. The fact that it is. people it's, can have and appreciate food that tastes good. It's the one thing that all of humans can, you know, relate to. Yeah, totally. And I love that, especially cultural, culturally, like, I think that's been the hardest part about COVID is not being able to travel because travel was such a big part of my, my job, my life. And, um, you know, you may not be able to go somewhere, but you can follow Tway the Bay and learn how to make a bomb Vietnamese dish. You can follow Feel Good Foodie and make like uh, shish to wook and all this crazy labne and all the, um, just different cultural Lebanese food. Oh, feel good foodies, Lebanese food, but all these different places you can learn how to cook and you may not be able to go there physically, but 
shit, take your mouth there, like eat the food, experience the culture, like read about it, learn about it and watch some shows. It's cool. You know, you kind of have access to go anywhere, even if you can't physically go somewhere. So uh, I want to shift gears a little bit and yeah. talk about, uh, we've been talking about grilled cheese social as like a awesome way for people to get in touch with their culinary side, you know? Yeah. But it's also a business, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's a business. And one thing I think is so awesome about what you've done with it is kind of doing, I always tell people, find a passion, find a way to make money with your passion. Yeah. Yes. And it's, it's totally what you did, right? Like you went to school for, I was like clinical psychology or something heavy. Yes. <laughs> My master's in counseling psychology. Counseling psychology. And, and, and social like, justice, which I always <laughs> want to bring up too, because that's very important these days. Yeah. We all need a little more of that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so you've um, latched on to something that you truly enjoy and have a real knack for, you know, you. and you have monetized it, like turn it into a business. Yeah. So how has that like progressed, you know, the, the act of it actually, okay, you love it, but it's a ton of work, right? Like mm -hmm. never ending ton of work. And, um, and you always feel like, okay, we got to grow, grow, grow. Well, how, how has that worked for you? Like how, how would you describe it? Yeah. So honestly, back in the day when I started, it was just for fun, just trying to get out of like, you know, the little depression spout that I was talking about. Um, but as I kept doing it, within the first year, I got like my first brand, Wisconsin Cheese, was like, hey, we really like what you're doing. Can we sponsor a post? And I was like, uh, yeah, I, yeah. like, yeah. of course, like, you want to pay me to make a recipe? Yes, let's do it. And um, so it kind of started like that. And then social media became like a huge thing. And that's like when the days of like influencers became a thing. And through that, more work started happening. And then like SEO became a big thing. And like learning all of that and putting that into work is now like, I would say the biggest source of income, like consistently for me is page views. And it's literally research based, like, um, I have this program called SEMrush, S-E-M-Rush, and I can go into it and I can look at what people are Googling on Google, what the keywords are, and that way I'll be like, okay, so people want this recipe, like, for the hibachi. Like, I saw that there was a ton of people looking for hibachi recipes during COVID because they can't go, and so I did a bunch of research. I watched a bunch of hibachi videos on YouTube and... Um, you know, read a bunch of recipes and I started coming up with my own. And this SEO thing is really cool because it's just this other opportunity that like I didn't really think about. Like I used to get page views just from people going to my blog because I say, hey, I got a new blog post, go read it. But now it's like, you know, people are searching out these terms and my site is optimized to help them find it. And, you know, since, since we are talking about like, you know, money and business and all that kind of stuff, for example, I started doing this SEO stuff like last year. So last year at this time, I've made probably $600 a month from optimizing my website from, for Google traffic. And this month I'll be making over $3,000 just from that component of a loan, not, not even talking about sponsored work or, you know, influencer gigs or any of that, but 
it's crazy how the world of blogging has totally just become this huge opportunity. And I mean, on top of that, I self-published my book, which was a big investment, but I've since, you know, paid that off. And now, now all of the books are just income, which is a lot different when you get a book deal with, you know, a, a publishing house. Yeah. Because they give you like an advance, right? Yeah. They give you an advance. And then, you know, if you make a second run, then you get another portion. But with this, it's like you pay for them all, you own them all. And it's your job to get rid of them essentially. And so luckily my website, I sell them all day long through the website. I sell them at the hotel, a lot of local businesses, but you know, it's, it's all money in your pocket after that initial investment, which for me was a no brainer because I have such a large audience and it's insane how many people are cooking now during um, COVID times than ever before. Like, I think I've sold more cookbooks these last few months than the whole previous year that it was out. It's pretty awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. Because it, like, helps people, I think. Yeah, people are at home, people are cooking, they want to have delicious stuff, they want, like, to be creative, and I think that's, you know, my goal in life is to make creative yet easy recipes that people can not be intimidated by. And, and your stuff is always so fun, you know, like Thanks. all of your posts and your book and everything is like, you know, pretty light and colorful. And um, I think people look at it and they, it, it probably makes them feel happy. You know, there's nothing, that, there's nothing dour about your personality or your posts or anything that you do. Um, I, I, tr I try to be bright and cheesy. That's what I always just say. Oh, yeah. bright. <laughs> <laughs> and so it, I always try to do that with our products. You know, it's like, I want people to look at it, open it, taste it and be delighted by it. I mean, that's an yeah. important thing, you know, you want to make people feel good and that way they, they feel like they should share it with other people and the word, it helps the word get out and it's a powerful yeah. thing. And I think you guys do a great job of that. Oh, thanks. We try. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard, right? I was talking to Adina, who's a friend of yours. Yes, well. Bessie. Dina's awesome. And she was on uh, the last episode, actually, that we did of this. So we yeah. were talking about entrepreneurship and same thing, like, okay, we're passionate. Um, we're, we're hard workers. We really, um, you know, normal, like hours and things It doesn't apply to us. You know, we they don't have work every, all the time, always thinking about new things we can do or ways to grow our business and everything. But it is yeah. just really, really hard, isn't it? I mean, I've never, ever come across somebody that said, oh, this is so easy. It's just a breeze. Uh, no, you, oh my God. You make it never. look easy. You do. You make it look easy. Luckily, because I like it. But I mean, Adam JK, who's like an illustrator, he has this like thing that he wrote up. He's an artist guy. And um, it says, work a day in your life. And it'll say, and you'll never have to work again. But that's all crossed out. It was like have panic attacks daily, have a never ending fear of, um, oh my God, what does it say? Oh, I'll find it and send it to you. But it's, it's basically like the joke, like, you know, find something you love and you'll never have to work a day in your life. It's like, find the job you love and realize that you're going to be committed to it for 24 seven for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, personally, I'm an eternal optimist with a heavy bit of realism in there. Um, but I always try to see the good in things. And like, even with this Corona shit, like being pregnant in it, having a baby during it, like that was some scary stuff. And I'm not gonna lie, I cried all the time. 
but like the one thing that would bring me joy was cooking and like cooking to like an audience. And that to me was just so rewarding. It actually like made me forget what was going on in the world. So for me, it's like an outlet, you know, it may take up all my time and like, it, it does seem like work, especially when things are like not working correctly, <laughs> computers and programs and websites. But at the end of the day, the ability to teach somebody something, to have people interact with me, to tell me like I made their night better by just sharing a recipe that I love, like that is so rewarding to me. And I think that there are so many influencers and bloggers out there that kind of show this like everything's perfect and like not sucky. And I think the thing that I try to do is like show the real shit, but also be happy about things when things are good. Like I always say you can't have a good life without a shitty, shitty parts, you know? Right. Like and so I try life. to be bright and cheery, but you know, it's also, I'm sharing the real stuff too. Like when I fuck up a recipe or when I'm doing a live demo and I'm like, oh my God, this is bad. So now we're going to have to cr scratch it and use something different. Like just keeping it real. <laughs> yeah. That's what you got to do. Right. And people, I think crave that now, you know, they're having to get their social interaction from other outlets, you know, because yes. that social interaction is not part of their lives anymore it's not part of anyone's life anymore and that's yeah. been super super difficult i mean we started to do this podcast because it was like well i need more content i need ways to keep people coming back or being excited but also it was about trying to fill that need for yeah. people to have other viewpoints or conversations you know in their lives and it's like man it's so weird how we've had to evolve and adapt to this new my god especially with everything that's going on right now I, I mean i think about that so often especially from like a psychological and um you know like a what is the word also my brain is complete mush right now because i was up all night with the baby but um an evol evolutionary psychology perspective like it's very interesting like you know when you every time i log on to the internet and I'm like thinking like, oh my God, all these likes are just like endorphin, like firing, like, is that good? Like, but it's like, dude, well, it's either I'm stuck at my house, like with my husband and my baby, like no real interaction with the outside world because of this virus. And to think that I have this like huge community online to like talk to and like have support and especially like being a mom, like I can't tell you how many times I've been like, hey, what do I do? And it's like 50 different people instantly just like, hey, I got you. Like, don't sweat it. This happens. And it's just very supportive. And I, I feel very lucky by it. I know people want to talk shit about it all day long, but it's like, you know, it's, it helps people. It helps me. I help people. It's, it's not all evil. Sure. And, and how has it been? Like you're a new mom, you know, motherhood and uh, integrating that into what you do has I mean I, I know it's probably not easy but how what's the experience like I mean you know it's it's definitely different I catch myself like as we were saying being like a workaholic like I'll put Poppy down in her little like play thing like the little mat and I'll go get my laptop and I'll start like working and then I'll be like what am I doing like I need to pay attention to this tiny child and I think for me it's 
it's definitely a new, a new challenge that I've never had to face because I'm just used to being like, I work all the time. Like I'm constantly researching. I'm constantly like, you know, trying to enhance my business. So now it's like, no, 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 you, you can take these three months that she's three months next week and actually just like stop working and chill and be a part of your baby's life. And you know, when she goes to sleep, that's when your time to work is. These <laughs> takes a nap. That's when your time to work is. Yeah. So it's it's definitely been a challenge and an eye opening experience. But she makes me so fucking happy. Like, just the coolest, cutest little baby. And I feel very lucky because she's so chill and easy. And I just I feel really fortunate that I get to spend so much time with her, especially being like you know my own business. But I just, I love it. I love it so much. And I feel like, you know, this is another thing that's just going to make my business bloom because now I'm working with baby brands and, you know, I'm like, oh my God, am I a, mo- am I a mommy blogger now? <laughs> well, I mean, so what? You know, it's cool. Yeah. I think, it's, I, oh, it's, it's cool. I mean, it's, I think it's the biggest, the money-making blog industry there is. So. Yeah. Cause like you said, people need lots of advice, right? And, I'm like uh, we can we can transition we can make this work yeah totally yeah lots and, of baby food <laughs> i know i think i learned like i mean i was always a nanny but i like don't remember anything um but i just learned that poppy can probably start having baby food next month and i cannot tell you how excited i am about that <laughs> yeah yeah because shelly here is our coo and she was a nanny too and she's told nice. me like all of these stories about, um, you know, taking care of people's kids. And I'm like, oh my God. But um, I, I could see how you could have a very successful blog, you know, with those sorts of topics, you know, because there's lots of moms and dads out there, um, all kinds of parents who are like, please help me. I need help. I need uh, advice. I need to know what to do. And they're especially new parents. Um, yeah. They, and, like, and finding the time to make something. Like, oh my God, people are like, I can't believe you're like cooking while you have this new baby. And it's like, to me, I'm like, well, I mean, someone's got to do it. And for me, it's like an outlet. So like, if I can like talk to people and walk through a recipe when someone else is holding poppy, I'm like, this is what I've been waiting for. This is perfect. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, all that's awesome. And I'm so glad that you're enjoying, you know, motherhood. Your baby's so cute. Thank you. And I'm not one. I don't think all babies are cute, but I think your baby. Is oh, that's super very big cute. Thank yeah. You. <laughs> see, I would. Well, I would not tell you if I didn't think so. But your baby is very, very, very cute. Poppy is adorable. Thank um, you. So congrats on that. Thank you. Um, so when I was talking to Dina, and usually when I talk to every guest, really, I try to like you know pepper in a little bit of controversy just to spice yeah. things up. And uh, one thing I really enjoyed talking with Adina Grigory about is um, kind of like the injustice that is a part of owning a business right Mm -hmm. now and specifically growing your business and how there are super huge communities of uh, entrepreneurs who are, you know, underserved, they don't have access to capital or they don't have lots of things that they need for lots of reasons, you know, and some of them are yeah. really dark and horrible, horrifying reasons. But I feel yeah. like the same thing can be said about food in general, you know, like oh God, especially yeah. good food. There are so many people in this country that don't have access to good food. 
I mean, the food deserts are learning yeah. about that is like gut wrenching. Right. I mean, I, our office is in Edgewater, Florida, which is like just a little bit south of New Smyrna. And I feel like yeah. there's a huge part of Edgewater that's a food desert. You know, there's yeah. no grocery stores within like a five mile, almost a five mile radius. There's no, there's no, there's not even any convenience stores or farmer's markets or even good restaurants like in any, in that whole entire area. And maybe 20,000 people live there. So, you know, if you don't have transportation or you don't have a way to get around, it's really hard for you to access quality food, you know, or fresh food, especially. Um, yeah. And so during the pandemic, we supported, like we gave money to um, Feeding Florida and Feed, Feeding America through our, the sale of our quarantine kits. You know, like we had this fun little t-shirt that was like socially distant and we had a yeah, mask. Yeah, I have one. <laughs> yeah, you have one. It has a mask and we made hands. We had, one of the things we YouTubed and learned how to do is make hand sanitizer here. Um, so awesome. So but, you know, like a, a good portion of those proceeds went to those charities. And the idea was to help people. Well, when we first started talking about, okay, where should the money go? And two of our founders here were like, it needs to go to Feeding Florida. It needs to go to Feeding Florida. And the first thing my mind went was, is that really like the best place for the money to go? Like for these uh, food banks, you know, in Florida, we're like this huge prosperous country. And uh, and then I I went to one of these food banks mm -hmm. during the pandemic, and I saw the huge line of people. It's insane. It, it was heartbreaking. I couldn't have believe it, you know. And so we did decide to to put the money there. But uh, man, like we were just talking about, how everybody needs food, and food unites everyone. And, yes. Uh, but there are also a lot of people that don't get what they need. And yeah. And, uh, and I mean, especially like nutrient-wise, like, God, the learning about the food deserts, like I used to do work with, um, oh my God, what is it called? Um, I'm sure it'll pop into my head. It was like one of the New York food bank things. We'd basically like give farmer's market produce out for free, like every other weekend with the cheese shop that I worked at. Um oh my God, I'm blanking. I'm sorry. I'll think of it as we go. But like the first day on that job, I remember being like, oh my God, like there are so many, are we gonna have enough food for all these people? Like, what are we going to do? And if they didn't get the fresh produce from us, like their only option was like 7-Eleven, yeah, I mean, not 7-Eleven, but bodegas and little corner stores that were selling like packaged goods and processed foods. Like it was just something that I had never thought about because of my privilege and it was heartbreaking. It was eye-opening and, you know, thinking about how much that is even going on these days with people out of work because of coronavirus mm -hmm. and, you know, it's just majorly <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. Well, there was, um, that was one of the things that really floored me when I went and saw that food bank was, um, well, I mean, I feel like there's like a certain demographic or type of person that we envision as patronizing a food bank, you know, it's like homeless yeah. people or people that are really down their luck. And I saw people, just people, you know, just yeah. all different sorts of people who really obviously needed food. And when you think about yeah. it, like, man, that's such a basic necessity. And these people were waiting in line for hours to get some. So I was like, man, this is really hugely concerning, you know, the fact that 
um, there are so, this many people who have food insecurity. And, yeah, it's um, really sad. It is sad. And uh, I don't know why I brought it up, maybe just to depress everyone. But I think it, it like <laughs> balances the conversation, you know, to talk about, okay, well, delicious, no, fun. No, it's real uh, shit. This is, this is yeah. important. Delicious, I fun, mean, amazing, but also like let's be uh, mindful, you know, of how lucky or fortunate we are to be able to crack open a amazing grilled cheese social cookbook and make a, one of these awesome recipes. Yeah, and actually have the ingredients to make it. Yeah. And like, you know, this is not at all as devastating or as real as, you know, someone going through all this. But like when I was writing my cookbook, I had the opportunity to make it like fancy cheeses that like I loved when I worked at a cheese store. And I remember like one night sitting down and being like, you know, I don't want that to be it. Like I want it to be accessible to everybody because I live in a small beach town. I can't get half of these cheeses. Like I'm going to use groceries, everyday grocery store cheeses and make the recipes so delicious that you won't even mind that you're not eating like a $20 for a quarter pound of cheese. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, and I, I feel like Adina probably talked about like the wellness industry, like how that's just a privilege in and of itself to even be involved in that. And the same is for food. Like, I mean, fuck, foodie recipes are like, they're all about privilege. Like if you can't afford to get these ingredients or you can't even source them, like what, that's not, that's not available for everyone. That's like a select demographic and it's, it's, it's hard. It's really hard navigating it because you want everyone to be able to enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. But like, what if they can't find that first basic need and they're at the food banks? Like, how do you give back to that, to those people? It's tough, right? But I don't, I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning of our conversation and say, Southern food, yeah. I feel Southern. like Southern food started because of scarcity and because, yeah. uh, I mean, it's really born, even a lot of the food that people eat in the South really started on slave plantations. And when you think yes. about it, you know, a lot yeah. of, there's a lot of uh, foods that, that are in the South that have African heritage, you know, or that mm -hmm. were somewhat derived from that cultural component. Yeah. And I feel like you still have delicious options with basic and cheap ingredients. And a lot yes. of your, a lot of your recipes do go there. They really do. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I think so anyway. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I try. I just, I want everyone to be able to do it. And that's my life mantra on everything. Like everyone needs to have the equal opportunities. And if they don't, how are we going to change it? Totally. Oops. So let's end it on a happy note. Like okay. let's, <laughs> let's think, let's like collect our thoughts and think about happy things. I would say, okay, I don't see anything but good things happening for you and Grilled Thanks. Cheese Social, but what's on, what's on your plate? No pun intended. So what's on my plate is um, learning to be the best mom possible. Um, it's to start working on my second cookbook, which is going to be called Family Night. And um yeah, I mean, continuing doing social justice work, amplifying voices of people of color. I mean, I took, I'm t like putting my money into more businesses um, that will benefit other people other than just white people. And yeah, I guess just doing my part into 
help everyone live equally and fairly and justly and lovingly. Boom. Boom. That's all you can ask for, right? Modern day hippie. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting more into that arena. You know, the older I get, I'm like, well, back to the basics, you know, there's, there really aren't that many things that matter a lot. And um, the, w- no. when you find the things that do matter a lot, you just realize, you know, that's what I'm going to focus on. That's uh, true. I think. Well, anyway, I know you've got Poppy to get back to and all of the dachshunds yeah. that, that I love. <laughs> and um, how can people support Grilled Cheese Social? Yeah, if you want to just follow me on Instagram at Grilled Cheese Social or visit my website at grilledcheesesocial.com, that would be lovely. And what about the Black Dolphin? Oh, the Black Dolphin, you can either hit them up on the website, blackdolphinin.com, or find us on social media at Black Dolphin Inn. All right, Mackenzie Smith, uh, author, chef, genius, mom. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us on Teacology. Thank you so much. This is awesome. Good, Bye. always good talking to you, Brian. You too. Talk to you soon. Bye. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation, and I want to thank you for listening to another episode of Teacology. Once again, I'm Brian White, CEO and co-founder of Yopon Brothers American Tea, and we're recording from our factory here in Edgewater, Florida. Teacology is available on Spotify, also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, and pretty much everywhere where you can find a podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Yopon Brothers, please visit our website at www.yoponbrothers.com. That's Y-A-U-P-O-N brothers.com. You can also find us on social media. We're on Instagram at Yopon T, also available on Facebook. And make sure to check out our YouTube channel for lots of really cool and informational videos. I want to really thank you for joining us again. Hope to talk to you soon. Bye-bye.